have just hailed the fact that the United States fiscal deficit has come down by a record amount. And uh, that may be true, but we've still got a huge fiscal deficit. So I agree with you, and I know that Janet Yellen is very closely monitoring the Treasury market here to see if what happened in Britain might come here. Okay, well, thank you all very much. That was Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent over in Washington, D.C. You also heard Alicia Garcia-Herrero, Chief Economist for Asia-Pacific at Natixis, and Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant Stuart Aldcroft. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look at the markets this morning. Um, pretty stable around Australia. The SX200 up about a third of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan has rebounded 0.9%. The Cosby in South Korea up about 0.4%. Still looks like it's going to be a flat open for the Hang Seng this morning. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Back chat is coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Benny Gittings. The weather forecast, fine and dry during the day, maximum temperature about 27 degrees, going to remain fine and dry for the rest of the week. There is a red fire danger warning uh, in force, it's 23 degrees, 65% relative humidity. The time's 8.31, here's Tom Warden with the half hour news. The Chinese university has said in a statement that it's officially reverting to its old emblem. The announcement follows a council meeting last night prompted by a backlash against plans to introduce a new emblem which abandoned a long-standing split-color design. The proposed new emblem was posted on the university's website earlier this week as part of a brand refresh. Britain's new prime minister has already run into controversy with one of his key appointments to cabinet. Swella Braverman resigned as Home Secretary last week after admitting she broke ministerial rules on security. However, Rishi Sunak has now given the job back to her, prompting the Labour opposition to say he'd put his party before the country. But former Cabinet Minister Damien Green says he believes the new lineup points to Mr Sunak uniting the Conservative Party. There are figures in this administration on the right of the party, like Suella. There are others like Gillian Keegan, the new education secretary, uh, whose appointment I hugely welcome. She'll do that very well. And also there are figures who were very close to Liz Trust, like Therese Coffey. So I think all parts of the party will feel satisfied that their voices are represented in the new cabinet. A court in Russia has upheld the prison sentence of the U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner for drug smuggling. The decision clears the way for her to serve nine years in a penal colony. The White House said it would continue to engage with Moscow to bring her home. A U.S. diplomat, Elizabeth Rood, sharply criticized the ruling. Today was another sad day for the rule of law in the Russian Federation. In the case of U.S. citizen Brittany Griner, the appeals court made a slight reduction in her sentence for time served in pretrial detention, but otherwise did not change the excessive and disproportionate sentence of nine years in a penal colony. Greiner was sentenced in August for possessing vape cartridges containing a small quantity of cannabis oil after she was arrested at a Moscow airport in February. She testified that she had permission from a U.S. doctor to use medicinal cannabis for pain relief. The use of medical marijuana is prohibited in Russia. The latest earnings figures from Google's parent company have disappointed Wall Street. Alphabet reported revenue for the last quarter of just over 69 billion US dollars, up by 6% on the same period last year. But that's lower than previous quarters, and advertising revenue at Google rose by only 
Analysts say the rate of advertising growth is slowing as repeated U.S. interest rate rises take effect. Shares in Alphabet slipped by over 5% in after-hours trading. You're listening to the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Danny Gittings. On today's program, we're looking at the chief executive's plan to boost Hong Kong's development capacity by speeding up the construction of transport infrastructure. This will cover three major road and three strategic railway projects that had earlier been recommended in the government's strategic study on railways and major roads beyond 2030. John Lee says the projects, which include the Northern Metropolis Highway, Cheng Kuan O Rail Line Extension and the Shatin Bypass, will bring about a highly interconnected and accessible road network and rail system that will drive and support the future development of Hong Kong. To speed up the process, the chief executive said legislation would be introduced within two months to amend laws governing town planning, land resumption, reclamation, roads and railways. A public consultation exercise will also be launched in two months' time to gather public views on the projects. So what do you think? How important will these projects be in Hong Kong's development? And after 9.15, we'll be looking ahead to the Wine and Dine Festival next month. So let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Or give us a call on 233-88266. And uh, now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Gary Jang, the Deputy Chairman of LegCo's Subcommittee on Railway Affairs, and Professor Sam Chow, the Chairman of the Transport Committee at the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport. Good morning to the both of you, and um, thanks for joining us on the program. So um, let's go to you first, Professor Chow. Can you first uh, briefly give us a breakdown of the six projects? Well, uh, there are three major highway projects and uh, three railway projects, and uh, I could uh, try to uh, categorize them into two uh, parts. One is uh, for the uh, to support the development of the northern metropolis. There's one highway in the uh, northern metropolis, and also uh, the uh, central uh, line uh, relief uh, the uh, railway. So that is to support that. And then the, the other one is also uh, about Chongkwen O. Uh, so there are uh, extension of the Chongkwen O line and also another tunnel back uh, connecting uh, Chongkwen O to Kowloon. Uh, so that is the two uh, the main purpose. Uh, but that, that it, it depends on how the developments of the Chongkwen O and Northern Metropolis and that lead to the... Uh, building of the lines. So, so Professor Chow, which projects do you think um, are the most important ones? Uh, well, I think it depends. Depends on the phase of the developments of the North, North Metropolis because uh, at the moment uh, we can see that already the rest of uh, the Tuma lines uh, linking the uh, Moon or Tinshu Way to the Kowloon is quite congested in the morning, uh, the MTR line. And uh, with the development of the northern metropolis, that means more population will move in and more employments will be employed there. And uh, and also, someone concerned about the completion of the northern link uh, and linking to uh, Camp Road station, how could the people uh, on the 
the NOL, the long link, can fit into the two-mile line. So I think that uh, line extension, uh, extension from uh, Kemchuan Road to Kowloon Tong is somewhat what we call a congestion relief purpose. And uh, that will depend on how fast the development of the northern metropolis. And then, oh, oh I forget that the other one is also linked uh, for the external link to uh, Shanghai of Shenzhen. It also depends how fast the development of the northern metropolis. Right. So these are quite uh, in need if the population intakes of net, uh, northern metropolis uh, grow very fast. And for sure, there's some, uh, no matter it's passenger traffic or vehicular traffic, that is uh, a need to go for, for, for the success of the northern metropolis. All right, Mr. Jiang, what about you? Which which uh, projects out of these uh, six uh, projects do you think is the most important? Uh, I think first of all, I uh, I would like to share that, um, that all of these six projects they are they are quite solid uh, proposals because, uh, like uh, Professor Chow uh, rightly pointed out, uh, each of these projects they uh, it, it has a very clear purpose. It has a purpose to either to relieve current construction or to cope with uh, future development. And uh, uh, more specifically, out of these uh, six projects, I um, I personally think the Central Rail Link, which is the connection uh, between uh, Kamsan Road uh, to uh, Kowloon Town, I think this is one of the most uh, uh, important and uh, strategic, and also uh, probably uh, with highest urgency among the six, because um, perhaps not many people know that the two mile two mile line, the two mile line will be facing a very serious capacity crisis in the coming few years, because uh, uh, even under the pandemic, the capacity of Jinma uh, uh, line during the modern peak has already re- nearly reached the ca- nearly reached its uh, signaling capacity. And uh, in terms of operational improvement, there are no uh, space to further, you know, to further add new train cars to the Jinma line line. So uh, we definitely need a a new diversion line to uh, relieve the congestion of uh, Tumalik. Otherwise, it will be a very, very serious uh, 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 capacity issue for the police uh, Tumalik. Professor Chow, how about the timing of these projects? Because, I mean, pretty much every project the MTR has embarked on in recent years has been delayed for many years. I mean, is the MTR the most appropriate body to um, uh, to carry out these projects? Uh, well, I have to say that uh, MTR in my view, is still the most experienced um, operator and also uh, supervise the construction of the line. But I think, having said that, I think the most important is, uh, to, in my view, is the finance of the project. Uh, from the very limited uh, information I have got, because uh, this project is just announced uh, in the policy address, and in fact, is quite unknown in our uh, transport uh, planning uh, circles. Um, so a lot of us uh, just know knew about this project when the policy address mentioned it. Um, it's only a lot of the places it went through is tunnel, and I don't think there's a lot of land acquisitions, and there's good and bad. And the good thing is, of course, it's just an engineering uh, problem or issues to solve. 
But on the other hand, I'm worried about the finance of this project because it's congestion relief. That means the revenues mainly from the uh, people divert from the existing Tumar line and also the uh, the new future uh, northern link depends on how uh, the population intakes are. And, and that means there's not a lot of property development and what we call is the TOD, Chasing Oriented Development. And both um, the uh, Kowloon-Tong and uh, Kamsham Road, I'm not too sure how much more uh, developments they can have. And that means I think the major issues of this line is about the financing, who financed the project. I don't think MTR will willing uh, to finance the project just because of the marginal revenue uh, increase uh, they can have right. based on the passenger, uh, the fare box uh, revenue. So that means either the government uh, have to uh, inject a lot of the capital costs or I, <laughs> but I, I just wonder if it is not MTR to operate, then who could operate? Uh, so maybe there's uh, a, 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 a new operator and they cannot just operate this session. They have to operate, I don't know, maybe a whole Northern Link. But right. the Northern Link is now under the MPL. So so I think uh, some uh, maybe it's a government decision how to have it proceed. Right. Professor Chow, just, uh, just a few days ago, the Transport uh, Secretary, he, he said uh, um, future transport infrastructure projects here could be funded by um, means other than direct uh, government investment, uh, for example, issuing bonds or private sector partnerships. Mm-hmm. And uh, would that be a, be a, uh, a funding arrangement that's, uh, that, that would work? Uh, I'm not a financial uh, person, but, but I think, as I said, uh, if you issue bonds, uh, it is. It, I would have to say, is it directly linked to the project, or is just the government will be the guarantor of the bonds? So, if it's the government, of course, everyone. I mean, most of the people will believe the uh, ability. I mean, the the, the capacity of the government's uh, financial um, standing. Uh, but if it's just based on the revenue of this particular line, then I. I at this very first uh, stand, I, I think it's quite, I, I doubt about uh, how much more revenue compared to the cost uh, in building it. So, so maybe they have to bundle with other lines. Uh, I understand that like uh, the Israel and some other lines instead is uh, still government owned, just sort of uh, have some operation uh, franchise uh, agreement with the MTLC, and maybe that is something that they can bundle those together, and then they may be is a way to finance the project. Right, Mr. Jang, what's your view? I mean, uh, Professor Chow, he he's worried about the uh, financing of these projects. Do you share his concerns? I, I think we need to uh, uh, for the three real real projects, particularly. Um, uh, they have different uh, situations. Like for the Changkwan expansion, I'm pretty sure there will be uh, some property development opportunities to to fund the construction costs, right? For the for the central rail link, uh, I, I I think may, may perhaps but not many people realize that it's not a it's not um, it's not a standalone railway. It's actually the the thousand extension of the northern link. Uh, yes, um, uh, for the central link itself, um, I, I don't see uh, many uh, 
right? I mean, a real plus property opportunities uh, uh, for for the section for the for the section of uh, Central Rail Link because Kuaishan area is already very populated. Kowloon area, we don't have any. Uh, we don't. We, we, the, 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 the development density is quite low in the Kowloon area, but as the whole part of the Northern Link, the Northern Link, uh, I, I mean, from Kamshan Road to Kudong area, uh, there are still a, a plenty of uh, land that could be uh, developed. So uh, perhaps that, 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 that may be the way out. The government can consider giving more land development uh, right to MTR. So using that uh, land premium to support the construction of Central Rail Link perhaps could be a, a, a solution for the construction costs. Now, how about Professor Chow's point that the MTR might not be very interested in the Central Rail Link anyway because um, it's not really bringing in new customers, is it? It's just diverting cu customers from an existing line. So it's not going to increase their pay, pay, or it might marginally, but it's not going to substantially increase their patronage. Um, I, uh, in fact, the Central Rail Link, yes, yes, of course, uh, 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 a main purpose is about, uh, it's about relieving the two-mile line uh, congestion. But at the same time, it will also... Uh, it will also attract a lot of uh, new new patronage because uh, the northern link, the northern link area, there will be uh, like uh, uh, two hundred thousand new population intake along the northern link stations, and but I, I, we can we can force we can foresee that most of these new population they will uh, they will probably not interchange at Kamshan uh, Road and they will travel directly to the central of Kowloon to Kowloon Town, and also uh, the the Kuaishan area, uh, the the the. The potential location we've been talking about is also very densely populated, and that area ha hasn't been covered by uh, ha doesn't have any railway coverage for like 20 years. As we are talking about another 300 uh, uh, population area in Kuaishong area, so I'm not too worried about patronage of the new line. Uh, but instead, uh, uh, the, the the timing of this new line is uh, is, uh, is is actually bigger concern. Uh, Professor Chow, let's go back to something rather interesting. You said that you, you said you and other transport experts don't really know very much about this uh, central rail link. Almost that you were taken a bit by surprise that the government chose to prioritise this over uh, other railway projects. Uh, well, I think the two sides. One is uh, during the last um, rail development plan uh, issue uh, last decade, there was no mention of this line. Uh, but uh, when we uh, heard about the uh, Northern Metropolis, not in this uh, policy address, but in last year's policy address, I have already uh, discussed with uh, professionals in our circles that just based on the tumor line, I think it would be a disaster uh, for the Northern Metropolis if there's only East Rail and also this tumor line to carry people back into the city. Although the government at that time mentioned they want to build the northern metropolis into a self-sustained uh, development. But I personally, I, I always don't believe that will happen, uh, not just in Hong Kong, but in many, many other uh, new deal cities developing in China. Uh, there's always a strong link between the new cities and the uh, traditional city centers. So the transport demand is almost uh, unavoidable. So that's why at that time I have a concern on that. Now this central line, from my point of view, is a necessity. Uh, it's only that it has never mentioned in many other uh, transport studies or any other uh, rail railway uh, blueprint. That is uh, that was uh, that's why I say a surprise. But uh, 
people would like to uh, take it and, and, and then build it. Of course, there are a lot of other um, rail, um, proposed railway lines that have been mentioned in rail studies that didn't make it into the policy address, like um, extension on Hong Kong Island, isn't there? The talk to uh, the South, Southwest Line to uh, to Queen Mary Hospital and so on. Do, yeah, do you I think, think those have been the same? That's the same situation, like the uh, Northern Island Line uh, linking from Tianhao to Admiralty through the mm. reclamation. Uh, as the same is a congestion relief purpose. There's not much development, uh, and and so that means uh, it will be quite costly and not uh, lots of the additional revenue other than the fare box. And uh, I would say it's similar to the uh, South Island Line West uh, uh, passing through the uh, Mary Hospital. Uh, it's a similar situation. And of course, those weren't weren't mentioned in the policy address. So, can we assume that they've been put on the back burner and they're not going to happen for a long time, if at all? Uh, I'm not the government, so but I think what they meant. I mean, for those projects that mentioned in the policy address, uh, I will consider that that is the priority of the government. Uh, does it mean if, if they will give up the other ideas? I'm not so sure, but I think uh, that means that is the priority, especially. Uh, one is to cope with the uh, big uh, project, the uh, northern metropolis development, and then uh, further uh, development of the Chengkun O, which is quite a uh, mature uh, new generation of new town, uh, and 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 also uh, a stronger tie with the Greater Bay Area via the uh, the uh, line to the Shanghai. I think this is the priority of the government. All right. Mr. Cheng, I just want to go back to a point that uh, Professor Chow made earlier. He was t- uh, talking about the projects and how the MTR may not be uh, uh, may not be the, uh, the uh, ones that will uh, operate the uh, new rail lines. Uh, and uh, earlier, the uh, Secretary for Transport, he also said uh, the MTR uh, Corporation uh, may not be, uh, well, well, it's not known yet whether they will uh, be running the new lines. But if it's not the MTR, then, then who? Do you have any idea? Uh, I, I, I think still it's really case by case for the, for example, like the Changkwan extension is a natural extension of the existing rail line. So I don't see any possibility or I don't see any benefit uh, of uh, introducing another operator. It's actually very infeasible. And also for the central rail link, it's, uh, it's, it's essentially an extension of Northern Link and Northern Link is already being built and will be operated by MTR. So I think it will still be MTR. But for the yeah, for the Chenghai and uh, and, uh, and the Hong, uh, and the Hong Shui Q, uh, 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 cross boundary link, that's uh, that's uh, more of a standalone nature. So yeah, it, it, it's possible to it's feasible to uh, open for competition and uh, and, uh, and perhaps I, I I'm not so sure, but uh, many many <laughs> we, we we do we, we did hear, hear many voices that. Uh, Advocate, advocating for introducing other uh, operators from uh, outside of Hong Kong, like men in China or maybe some international players. But I think it's more feasible to introduce some competition for this cross-boundary line. Yeah. Do you think there's anyone else in Hong Kong who, who could compete to um, produce to to run a railway like that? Or would inevitably, if you open up for competition, you, you essentially mean uh, a mainland Chinese company, don't you? They would be the ones with the expertise. 
especially if we're talking about the cross-boundary uh, connection between Hong Kong and mainland China, yes, as uh, mainland China operators might have some uh, uh, com- uh, competition advantage, but uh, still it's, uh, it's too early to say. All right. And when we look at these uh, six projects that are included in the policy address, uh, there is no timetable for, for them yet. But uh, to uh, speed up the whole process, the uh, chief executive has said uh, uh, many procedures will be streamlined and the uh, timescale for uh, environment Im- environmental impact assessment will be uh, compressed to uh, no more than 24 months. Uh, Mr. Jiang, what do you think of this approach? I think it's actually uh, the, the society actually wants the government and also the, uh, in, the our infrastructures to 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 get speed up. That's uh, that's, uh, that's, that's that's no doubt with that. But I want I, I want to point point out uh, as a matter of fact that uh, from now to uh, maybe to 2030, we already have uh, a lot of infrastructure projects on the on the way. Yeah, either being designed or uh, at a planning uh, stage or, re- or, or already approved that with uh, funding support. So um, I think most of these uh, six new uh, projects, six new transportation projects, they will likely be built after 20, uh, 2030. And that's, uh, that's a fact we, we need to be aware of. And I think the government has already mentioned that they will start a public consultation uh, uh, perhaps next year. But when we look at the, the current projects we are, uh, we are now delivering, I, I, I really don't see any uh, further, further capacity or, or, or feasibility to, uh, to commence these new projects in the coming five or six years. Uh, how about that, uh, Professor Chow? I mean, there's a great, there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, on construction at the moment? And as I mentioned earlier, realistically, mo- most, pro- most re- all rail projects have been delayed. Uh, past their estimated dates, uh, so we could be talking even later than the 2030s, couldn't we? Uh, well, well, you, you have said that so I think it becomes sort of a norm for all the real projects uh, delayed in the past uh, decade or so. It, it's quite different from uh, at the very deep beginning of the MTL construction back in the uh, 70s and 80s. So I think uh, the government have to look into what's the reason behind it. Is it because of shortage of labor? Although some because of uh, like uh, the, um, now the, uh, uh, the uh, East Kowloon, uh, the, the East Kowloon line through Tobawa because of some founding of uh, 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 antique and, 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 and uh, heritage that uh, have to make it delay, but also there's also other engineering issues that make the project get delayed. Uh, I think uh, that may be due to the multiple uh, issues or reasons, and I would imagine uh, one of the problems uh, which we have to face is the shortage of young neighbors, uh, then maybe the government has to consider to relax uh, the import of neighbors if we want to have the uh, project completed on time. But I think this also, uh, there will be other indications. So um, uh, Gary may be in, 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 a, in a better position to answer that. Uh, Mr. Zhang, we've only got a, mi- uh, a minute or so, but uh, w- w- what's your views? 
on the on the on the on the on the, oh. on the construction schedule. Yeah, yes. On delay of projects. Yes. Yeah, I think in the past ten years, indeed, the the industry, uh, the, the construction industry in general, had uh, encountered some uh, very significant challenges and even some scandals. So, I, as a as an as a railway engineer by training myself, I uh, I take it that I think we've indeed learned from this lessons, and uh, most of my uh, most of the uh, the young the, the young the new generation of uh, uh, engineers, architects, or workers, they they got more mature right now, and. Uh, it's, it's time for for them to shine. It's, it's time for them to to uh, really learn from the lessons and to deliver a better projects for Hong Kong. So uh, I'm I'm confident with with that. I am not so uh, I'm not so concerned. I yeah I think we can we can uh, prove to Hong Kong society and prove to the world that the Hong Kong construction industry will not repeat our previous mistakes. All right, uh, Mr. Jang and uh, Professor Chum, I'm afraid we'll uh, have to take a short break for the news summary. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Gary Jang, the uh, Deputy Chairman of LegCo's Subcommittee on Railway Affairs. Many thanks also to Professor Sam Chow, the Chairman of the Transport Committee at the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport. After the news, we'll be speaking to Roundtable lawmaker Michael Ten, who is a former chairman of the Kowloon Canton Railway Corporation. And after 9.15, we'll look ahead to the Wine and Dine Festival next month. If you want to ask questions or just share your views on today's topics, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 233-88266. Now here's the weather. Fine and dry during the day. The top temperature will be around 27 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh easterlies, strong offshore and on high ground to start with. And uh, right now, the uh, temperature reading at the observatory is 23 degrees and uh, the, uh, the, and, uh, the relative humidity is 63%. Say the rate of advertising growth is slowing as repeated U.S. interest rate rises take effect. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Janice Wong. And this morning, we're talking about the chief executive's plan to boost Hong Kong's development capacity by speeding up the construction of transport infrastructure. If you have any questions or comments on today's topics, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Joining us now on the program is around table lawmaker Michael Tien, who is a former chairman of the Kowloon Canton Railway Corporation. Good morning, Mr. Tien. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, what do you think of the overall plan to speed up the construction of uh, transport infrastructure here? I mean, how far do you think it will go to um, boost Hong Kong's uh, development capacity? Because this administration has repeatedly uh, promised that in the future, all the transport infrastructure, the support infrastructure uh, will go hand in hand, if not preceding any uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, residential infrastructural development, okay? Uh, they are now totally uh, turning the pendulum to the other side, which is to speed up the construction of new roads, uh, new the tunnels, new rail, and all that, which I support. Okay, the most important thing, however, is to make sure these things are all worthwhile uh, building. They would have enough capacity 
when they commence operation. Uh, but most importantly, uh, their linkage and their uh, 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 the connecting uh, uh, design uh, has to have a very high economic uh, 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 efficiency. Okay, so out of the six projects that they mentioned, my biggest problem is with the so-called central rail link, which they want to link the so uh, uh, almost a million uh, future sea population living in the northern metropolis, taking the northern link, which is a brand new world rail that hasn't been uh, built yet, linking that through Canton all the way down uh, to uh, Kowloon, then to Hong Kong. Now, because it's called Central Link, uh, it really should go through the heart of Kowloon and to join up with the Chunwan Line. As of today, you see, uh, for, in terms of the north-south line alignment, you have something on the east side, uh, not uh, forgetting about Chunwan, no, okay? You have something on the east side of Kowloon, which is the east rail. You have something on the west side of Kowloon, which is a Chunwan Line. So the central line, by definition, should come straight down Nathan Road Corridor, uh, which would then make use of all, uh, you know, these uh, cross-harbor tunnels. So how do you connect Camp Shun Road to Nathan Road? Obviously, the only way is to connect it to the Chunwan Line, which currently has about 15% excess capacity because a lot of the Israel passengers that used to board the Chiwan line at Prince Edward and Mong Kok is now going straight. So the bottleneck of Chiwan line traditionally has been south of uh, uh, Prince Edward uh, during the morning rush. Uh, now they have about 15% excess capacity, and the Chiwan line will have another 16% extra capacity when they finish upgrading the signaling system in a couple of years' time. So you're talking about a major line that is going to be underutilized. So the best thing is to connect there, but instead they're connecting into Kowloon Tong, which to me is totally meaningless. It's a waste of public money, and I raise my strong objection about it. So the easiest way is to for Kemshan Road to come down through the, uh, the, 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 the mountains uh, uh, sort of another Thailand tunnel, and then serve the northeast part of Kwai Chong, which is currently not served by railroad, the northeast part of Kwai Chong, and then come down and connect into the Chunwan line at Kwai Fong Station. That would be the cheapest and the most efficient. So let's get this clear. <clears throat> you you think the central rail link is a bad is a bad idea, and you, what you're basically talking about is a an extension, or I suppose a spur extension to the Chinwan line. Well, the central line in itself, under the government's definition, is an extension line. They're extending the northern link southwards past Kemshan Road through the mountains. The question is connecting to where. They want to connect to northeast Kwaishong to serve that population of 130,000. I totally support that. OK, 
okay, that has been an area where it's totally uh, not served by rail. Okay, I support that. The question is, after that area, the end station would be a place called Shek Lei in northeast Kwai Chong. Where do you go? So from Shek Lei to Kwai Fong Station is one kilometer. It costs about four billion. From Shek Lei to Kowloon Tong, it's eight kilometer and it costs about uh, 32 billion. And it's bringing people to a station in the future where you can't even guarantee you can get on because everybody who's taking the Israel line down uh, all the way is going to Queensway. They're not going to get off at Kowloon Station. So these people are not going to be able to get on. So you're spending about $30 billion more to take them to a station where they cannot get on. Whereas if they go just one kilometer, which costs $4 billion, to Kwai Fong Station, plenty of room on the train. All right? And they can take the Chunwan line down straight, uh, smack through the middle of Kowloon, which is the Nathan Road Corridor. Okay, so that's a very interesting alternative proposal to the one the government's put forward. Um, more broadly, um, Michael Chin, do you think the government's got its priority? A lot of um, rail and transport projects didn't make it into the policy address. Uh, some on Hong Kong, for instance, the South Island West on uh, the South Island Western Extension on Hong Kong Island. Do you, do you think the government's got its priorities right in the policy address in which, which um, transport projects they're prioritising? I suppose they are bringing up all the new ones that this administration has come up with uh, regarding the ones that were uh, stated previously. Uh, I don't think they're going to put on the back burner. The question is uh, uh, the uh, the priority. Okay, I think on the on the Hong Kong side, there are extension of lines that needs to be built. It's been mentioned before. Uh, they, uh, my understanding is that they will continue. And they did not say that these new six uh, uh, mega projects is going to precede all the other ones. Uh, because if that's the case, I worry. If every five years we change the chief executive and it takes 10 years to build a rail, well, you know, we're going to keep changing our priorities. So you just inter- you interpret this as just adding in more projects? Yeah, just and- adding, in, adding in more, adding in more. But like I said, Make sure that the government is not too trigger happy, too trigger happy, to a point of building things either without sufficient uh, demand, uh, but more importantly, build it in a sensible, cost-efficient way, and not just uh, you know rail. You, you don't build rail easily. You got to make sure that the connection point represents the shortest distance, minimizing the cost. Right. And uh, earlier this week, uh, the Transport Secretary, uh, uh, he said uh, the government will uh, prioritise uh, the Chengkwan O rail line e- extension over other projects. Uh, Mr Chen, do you think this is the, uh, the right, uh, right way forward? Well, the Chengkwan O line, because they have another new project, which is on 137, uh, that is something that actually should be a priority. And it doesn't cost that much. You see, to me... When I look at priority, I take into account two factors. Uh, the cost, uh, well, how much it would cost to finish that particular extension and how many people would benefit. From that standpoint, Chunkwano, I think, 
is important because it doesn't cost a lot. It's just a minor extension. Okay, taking the uh, northern link, going through the mountains, coming all the way down, is a mega project. And you are talking about serving people who are not going to be even moving in until 10, 15 years right now, because right now there's no problem. There's nobody up there. They can all take the two-mile line down, right? So, so that particular alignment is uh, something of the future. So that shouldn't be a priority until people actually start moving in uh, along the uh, northern uh, link. But right now, you know, uh, northern link hasn't even come to electrical yet with regard to the detailed plans and all that. Uh, they secure some initial funding to investigate. They're still looking at the exact uh, connection and all that. And it's going to be probably, what, uh, 20, 35, 36, or 38? Uh, and I think this particular extension, if they take my suggestion to go to quite far, uh, it's a very simple extension that shouldn't take that long in planning. You're going through mountains, so you don't have to take back land and do all kinds of negotiation and compensation and all that stuff. All right? So that can be done a bit later on uh, because the period is going to be short. Right. And, and earlier, one of our guests uh, in, in the first half of the program, he expressed a concern about the financing of these uh, projects. Uh, Mr. Chen, how do you think uh, they, they um, can be financed? I mean, should it be through uh, bonds or, uh, or other methods? Well, before we talk about how to finance, let's talk about how much to finance. And my whole gist is they better make sure whatever they want to do, uh, they don't shoot for perfection. All right. If something that gives me 90% efficiency but costs only half, I would go for that rather than shooting for, you know, 100% perfection and then uh, costing twice as much. How about the questions that have been raised about whether the MTR is the most suitable operator to, to run these projects? And the government's even hinted that uh, they, they might consider the possibility yeah, of yeah, other yeah. operators. We've been talking about that all these years. Honestly, uh, I have always supported MTR. All right, if you compare MPR to any other rail company in the world, looking at no matter how you look at whatever statistics, <clears throat> they come out far ahead. And all these other countries in the world are <clears throat> uh, asking uh, MPR to go build their rail, manage their rail, right? You go as far as China uh, in, uh, on the mainland and London and everywhere else. That speaks for itself. Uh, secondly, because of the need to connect to the MTR network, uh, the only kind of rail link that is possible to be delinked from MTR is something that does not connect to that system. All right? For example, an extension from Hongshui Q to uh, Shenzhen. That kind of thing, uh, you don't have to go to MTR because it's a totally separate line and uh, it's uh, dissociated from any kind of internal connection. <clears throat> Would you find anything else within? Uh, our domestic uh, rail map, uh, I see no problem uh, giving to MTR as long as we have enough supervision. So where's the money coming from? I think uh, giving development, development <clears throat> rights to MTR and have them come up to the money with the money to build it uh, probably is the best way. And uh, earlier, uh, Mr. Chen, you said... And the rail link that, sorry, and, and the few rail links that I talked about just now have a lot of potential, particularly the northern link. Uh, so um, I think that would work. 
And uh, earlier, Mr. Chen, uh, you, you talked about how these uh, six projects in the uh, policy address are, are, you believe, they're just add-ons to uh, existing infrastructure projects. I mean, um, do, you, do we have enough manpower right now, do you think? <clears throat> that is a problem. Okay? The manpower to actually uh, build all these things at the same time. Because if we look at the past, that has been the problem with the Shantin Central Lane and the uh, Express Well and all that stuff. So manpower is key. But to predict manpower uh, today, uh, down the road, five, ten years, uh, the line is not easy to debate. Uh, a lot of things regarding manpower needs to be sorted out. Uh, uh, these, are, these are things that I agree is what we need in the next, uh, you know, uh, 8 to uh, 15 years. If we are going to move so many people outside of our current city limits up to the north, okay, how do we get those people to build? Government needs to think. There are so many different policies. They're talking about attracting uh, people from uh, abroad, you know. That's something that needs to be done. And the other thing, of course, is capital, capital. All right, rail, you can give development development rights to uh, MPR, but what about roads? All right, you look at uh, uh, Route 3, all right? It's a single entity. It's built by a uh, developer, and it's on a BOT basis. So with all these new roads government is building, if they use this concept, they're going to be charging money. When they charge money, you're going to end up uh, with some roads that are congested and some that are free, and it gives the impression that uh, if you can pay, you don't have to wait. Uh, my idea of any kind of public road is that it should uh, be designed in a way that they should all be free, uh, and in some cases, they may charge a fee simply to uh, regulate the traffic flow rather than going after a return. So government needs to come up with their own money when it comes to roads. OK, we're almost out of time on this topic. Let's just finish off on a slightly different note and ask about another rail project you've talked about in the past that uh, it's not in the policy address, maybe it'll never happen. You talked in the past about a light rail link on Lantau from uh, Tongchung to Taiyo. Do you think that's ever a realistic prospect? Rail line from Tongchung to, 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 to Taiyo, yeah. I talked about a rail line uh, linking uh, Tongchong to the uh, airport and the artificial island, okay? It's a light rail system that is uh, uh, so-called so sort of uh, internal circulating because right now the Tongchong line doesn't go to the airport. Uh, only the airport express goes to the airport, and they need to make that connection. That is the one that I've been pushing to facilitate uh, people living in Tongchong being able to go to work uh, at the Asia Expo, uh, the new expansion of the airport, uh, and then this new Sky Mall and all that. Yeah, that, have been, that has been the one that I've been pushing. All right, uh, Mr. Chen, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's Roundtable lawmaker Michael Chen, who is a former chairman of the Kowloon Canton Railway Corporation. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 and have your say.
It's now 20 minutes past nine and it's time to turn to our final topic today and it's about the Wine and Dine Festival next month. Like last year, the event will not take place at a large centralised venue because of the pandemic. Instead, its organiser, the Tourism Board, will hand out 50,000 e-coupons worth $100 or $150 to customers who sign up on its online platform. And people with the vouchers can use it to redeem a free drink or snack at the participating restaurants or bars. To find out more, we're now joined by Teresa Chan, the Assistant General Manager of Bar Pacific, one of the participants in this year's event. Good morning, Ms. Chan. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, I understand it's your first time participating in the uh, Wine and Dine Festival. Why did you uh, decide to join? Um, we think that it will be a really great opportunity for us to raise brand awareness and interact with new customer segments, especially under this uh, pandemic. And uh, we, we really want to um, gain exposure in Hong Kong and um, interact uh, with our uh, new customers and really uh, present them with our new signature cocktails and dishes for this event. So we're really excited. Is it, is it expensive? I mean, presumably you give away these coupons, you know, that you're not being reimbursed by the um, tourism boards. You give away these $100, $150 um, um, coupons. So is it's quite quite expensive brand promotion. Sorry, could you repeat that? Yeah, the, uh, you're, you, 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 like uh, many other restaurants, are going to be giving out these, uh, you're going to give away these coupons uh, that um, uh, customers can get uh, essentially drinks for free. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And you're not being subsidised. Uh, the tourism board's not going to reimburse you for the cost of those um, um, for those coupons, is it? So the money's coming out of, um, is, is coming out of your accounts. So it... Yes. So we think that it is uh, a necessary marketing expense. Um, so it is just one one of the marketing channels uh, online events that we're trying to uh, do in order to attract more new customers uh, due to this tough uh, situation under the pandemic. Right, and Ms. Chan, you, you said uh, this uh, wine and dine festival will, will hopefully help you in, uh, gain exposure to and uh, reach out to new customers. Um, do you think it will help boost or, or increase uh, business by much? Yes, definitely, um, because. Um, we think that most of our customers, um, they are returning customers. So through this channel, we're able to attract new customer segments. And um, we hope that uh, we can give them a good experience uh, in this wine and dine festival so that they will return um, and we are able to retain them uh, in, the, in the future. And how about the RAT test requirement? That still remains in place, doesn't it? If you, if you want to go to a bar, you have to take an RAT test. Ha, have your customers got used to that, or is it still, is still constrained on attracting customers? Yes. Um, yes, we still have this restriction, um, and it's kind of tough, uh, to be honest. And um, we think that our customers uh, do not prefer that, and we really hope uh, there will be further relaxation of this rule uh, in the near future so that we can um, return to business back to normal. Right. And uh, what do you think of this uh, this year's arrangement for, for the event? I mean, e-coupons will be handed out to customers to spend at participating bars and restaurants, whereas uh, um, a few years ago at the Wine and Dine Festival, um, it, it was like uh, uh, carried out at a centralized venue where people can uh, just walk around and uh, choose what they drink or eat. Yes, I feel like it's quite unfortunate that we cannot do a live event this year. 
Um, we think that offline events have a human touch to it, and we can engage with our customers more directly. Um, however, we understand there's a new way of doing things during the pandemic. So uh, the online, with the online event, uh, it will be extended from a few days to a whole month. So we are expecting more people to be able to take part this year. And you said you expect uh, business to go up uh, because of this event. Uh, do you have an estimate? How, how much do you think it will go up by? Uh, we don't exactly have an uh, an estimate because uh, over yeah, after all, it's our first year uh, to join. So we really it's like uh, testing the waters, and we'll have to just uh, look and see. Now, it's been a tough year, tough couple of years, hasn't it, for you in the food and beverage um, business? And as we were talking about just now, you you still have the RAT uh, test requirement. You still have all kinds of restrictions. Um, is, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Is, is it worth staying in this business in Hong Kong? Yes. Um, I think because uh, we've been in Hong Kong, uh, we're a local brand. We have local roots in Hong Kong, and we've been here for 22 years already. So um, we'll definitely keep on doing this, and uh, we can see the light uh, in the end of the tunnel because we can see, like, with the uh, alleviation, with uh, the zero plus three days uh, policy, and then uh, more people are going out again and uh, um, exploring different restaurants and bars in the city again. So uh, we can see that the situation is getting slightly better, um, but we hope you have like further further relaxation of the measures uh, in the near future. Isn't the um, the relaxation of quarantine is uh, two-sided for you? Uh, I mean, one of the things um, presumably you benefited from was when uh, people couldn't, we, we couldn't travel and the only way of spending money was to go out to uh, restaurants and bars in Hong Kong. Now now, now we can travel again. Is the danger maybe you already see sort of a fall off in some of the some of your customers who would have spent money in Hong Kong go, go off on overseas trips now? Yes, in short term, we see that a lot of our customers, they're like traveling and uh, uh, traveling again. So definitely um, local people, they, they're going to travel. And uh, But in longer term, we hope that uh, uh, tourists will start to come and visit again. Um, and yeah, this, this is uh, our expectation and our hope. Do you think you can you can get tourists coming in under zero plus three, or does it have to go to zero plus zero before you'll get tourists? Well, I think um, we'll have to see. Uh, I'm not really sure how it would turn out, but I think maybe zero plus zero days is definitely more attractive to to uh, tourists, right? Because uh, comparing to other places, there there is no such restrictions. Right. And Ms. Chan, let's just go back to the Wine and Dine Festival again. Um, it's your first time taking part in the event. Do you know if uh, many other bars and restaurants are, are also joining for the first time? Uh, yes, yes. I, I've heard that a lot of bars and restaurants, they, they are also joining as well because they, think, they also think it's a good opportunity for them to showcase their product and gain more exposure. Right. And just finally, um, you, you talked about uh, preparing a signature drink for this event. I mean, can you talk about other preparations you've made for, for this uh, Wine and Dine Festival? Yes. So um, as we have uh, several outlets 
uh, that will be joining. Uh, each of the outlets, they, they are redesigning their menu and they're thinking uh, of new items to add to, uh, in order to attract more of the customers. Um, we also make sure the hygiene and the, cle- uh, the tidiness of the outlets are up to standard so that we can deliver the best experience to our customers. Right. And what is this signature drink? <laughs> it's different for each store, so you'll have to stay tuned. All right, uh, Ms. Chan, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Teresa Chan, the Assistant General Manager of Bar Pacific. Also, many thanks to all of you who uh, commented. And, uh, of course, uh, to our guest presenter, Danny Gittings and producer Yuki. Now, here's the weather. Fine and dry during the day. The uh, top temperature will be around 27 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh easterlies, strong offshore and on high ground to start with. And uh, right now, the uh, red fire danger warning is uh, in force. And uh, currently, the temperature reading at the observatory is 23 degrees. Relative humidity, 64%. I'm Dr. Siu Kao pediatric respirologist. The best protection for kids aged 6 months or above against the surging pandemic is arranging for them to get COVID-19 jabs. Catching COVID-19 isn't like having a cold or flu. A severe case like encephalitis may lead to intensive care or even death. Vaccination can reduce severe cases in pregnant women, who can then pass antibodies to the fetus. Newborns can also get the antibodies through breastfeeding from vaccinated mothers. It's 9.30, the news with Tom Warden. A high school principal says students and parents largely welcome the government's delay in imposing stricter jab requirements for full-day on-campus lessons. The three-jab requirement for secondary schools has been delayed until February. And most primary schools should be able to resume full-day classes from December, with 70% of students double-jabbed. Dion Chen, who's also the chair of the Direct Subsidy Scheme Schools Council, said teaching staff felt full-day on-campus lessons were crucial to the children's education and development. Legislator Priscilla Lung says